Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome into Bet the Edge on this Thursday, July 22nd. Thanks for watching on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Sarah Perlman and Drew Densick with you. And coming up, John Heyman. We're going to get into who he likes tonight in the Yankees-Red Sox, plus the Dodgers-Giants matchup, and how active these teams are going to be come trade deadline. Jenna Harner, she covers the Pittsburgh Steelers, so we're going to dig into some Big Ben props and if there's a value play to make, especially with them in the playoffs this year. And, of course, Edge of the Day, all that and more coming up right here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. And we begin the show, Drew, on this lovely Thursday, looking at some line movement. And for you, you have been the Olympic breakdown king. So take me through where we're going to go this morning and where we should be keeping our eyes out. Yeah, so uh, the Olympics start tomorrow. And the first week of the Olympics, swimming tends to dominate the coverage, steals the show. And if you have not bet on swimming before, which I think is probably 99.9% of our audience. Myself included. Uh, it's basically horse racing. 
I mean, really and truly, like it's people, but it's horse racing. You have, you know, events that last, uh, you know, a couple of minutes. And really and truly, uh, you, you'll look at the odds for a given race. That some races, they'll be a heavy favorite. Other races, it'll be kind of wide open. Uh, and depending on how a particular, particular athlete performs in a given race, uh, you know, you can have long shots come in. In the last Olympic cycle, we had a 200 to 1 long shot come in in the men's 200 breaststroke, an 80 to 1 long shot come in on the women's 100 freestyle. So there is for sure upsets that come in during these races. It makes it a ton of fun to root for. And uh, the action, you know, is all it's all said and done in a matter of minutes. So it's a lot of fun is a good experience, at least uh, from from my past years betting the Olympics. Anyway, uh, swimming starts. Uh, uh, it, it goes over the first week of the Olympics. And I really want to kind of give you some of the key handicapping angles to consider uh, as we kind of get closer to the event. First thing to note is they are upsetting the schedule a little bit from a normal race. This is not going to be like a normal international swim meet. This is going to be number one contested in an enclosed pool with no fans. So the energy is going to be a little bit lower. It's going to actually probably feel a little bit weird. And then number two, they've flipped the semifinals and finals and the heats. Usually they contest heats in the morning and then the finals go off in the evening. But because of the primetime schedule for the U.S. audience, they're actually going to conduct finals in the morning uh, the next day. So that's going to be a little interesting to see how the athletes adapt to that. Most of them are used to kind of getting up for uh, you know, their biggest swim of the day in the evening. They're now going to have to get up in the morning and get themselves ready to go to, to swim their best. Uh, and that's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. We saw the same thing in Beijing back in 2008. A couple other kind of key things to note here. In general, the United States dominates the swimming, and there is a very specific reason for that. Our collegiate program here in the U.S. is unparalleled worldwide in terms of preparing athletes to compete at this level on the world stage. And there's a unique kind of wrinkle where in college swimming, you go through and you get you, you do all of your work through the heart of the regular season, and then you taper down your daily swimming total to get some rest before you compete in the conference championships. And then you swim your best at the conference championships, you bring your yardage back up, and then you bring it down again for NC2As. And so this double cycle of rest and performing at your peak is really kind of unique to college swimming. And then the trials and Olympics are on about the same time cycle. So a lot of our athletes have gone through this, experienced it before. And because of that, we tend to perform better than a lot of these other countries at the Olympics. Australia is probably the most notable example. There are so many years where the Australians have gone into trials. They blow out. They blow, blow teams away. Uh, you know, they're breaking world records at trials. And then they come to the Olympics. They're past their peak. They haven't tapered correctly and they don't perform as well. Australia, particularly this cycle, has re has really done, a, 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 at least they've said that they are doing a specific job of trying to address that. It remains to be seen how this will work out. But the Australian women in particular, we talked about them yesterday. They are all performing at a level where they should be competing for world records, competing for golds. It's going to be extremely competitive. And uh, after kind of this primer here, we will get into some specific picks for the swimming in the first couple of days tomorrow. Yes, I am excited to get your individual picks. And of course, on your edge of the day, all week you've been giving out totals on gold medals in the Olympics per country. John Heyman's going to join us in just a second. I'm curious to get his thoughts on this. So John, I hope you're listening carefully here. My line movement that I keep an eye on throughout the day is going to be the San Francisco Giants to win the National League pennant at six to one. I think there's still value on this. Imagine buying into the Giants, by the way, to win the NL pennant at 40 to one when the season first began. Best record in baseball, obviously best record in the 
National League 60 and 35, playing an important series against the Dodgers right now. They've taken two out of three this far. Big game tonight. The series wraps up. But this is a team that ranks six in batting average in the National League, second in ERA only behind the Dodgers. Their defense and fielding stats, they're best in the National League. I could make an argument, surely, that at six to one, there is a lot of value on buying in on the Giants now. Not enough respect in the futures market. So for me, more than anything, I'm curious to watch this market and betters really start to back this Giants team that I think is the real deal. And we'll, I'll be curious to see what John says and what type of moves they make at the deadline, because that's going to be a big thing in this team. If they could solidify their bullpen, maybe get one extra bat. I think this team has a real shot. And an interesting stat that was brought to my attention, six out of the last 11 National League champs have come from the NL West. So that's more than half, and there's a good chance that that's the best division in the National League still for quite some time with the Padres, Dodgers, and Giants. I like the Giants at 6-1. to one. We appreciate you guys listening. Rate the podcast if you're not a daily subscriber. Sign up. Remember, here on Bet the Edge, we give you all the information you need for your wagers every single weekday in about 25 minutes, including some tips on the Olympics from Drew Dinsick. <laughs> and of course, you can reach us on Twitter. Ask specific questions about handicapping the Olympics. I am at whale underscore capper, and my host is at Sarah Perlman. Let's bring in John Heyman to talk all about Major League Baseball. John, you know this is my favorite. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Anytime, Sarah. I'm just glad you're not going to ask me for any swimming advice. I would just go with Katie Ledecky. Beyond that, I don't know. Oh, you know your stuff. I'm exactly with you, so that's totally fine. We can uh, we can rely on Drew for that. Let's start with the Yankees and Red Sox, an important series that I'm going to talk about at the end of the show. But for tonight, I look at the Yankees. They're an underdog against the Red Sox, but they are having Jordan Montgomery, who's been Mr. Consistent pitching for them. Tanner Houck, he's been solid as an opener and giving a few innings. Even as a closer, he gets the start tonight. The Yankees are a very tricky team to not just bet on, but to follow. Of course, they have a ton of injuries. We're seeing a lot of guys called up from AAA to play for them. When you look at the game tonight, who has the advantage and what are you making of this kind of weird Yankees lineup over the last few days that's gotten some wins? Yeah, I think you said it. They have a lot of AAA players playing right now. I, I know some Philly people were talking about how we're playing a AAA team. How, how are we losing? Well, the Yankees are bringing a lot of energy now with their younger players, uh, hungry players uh, playing to win. And uh, this has been one of their best stretches now. Uh, that said, they are uh, AAA players, or maybe in some cases quadruple-A. Uh, we shall see. Uh, they've won a few in a row, and, uh, you know, we'll see how long it lasts. But I think it's going to be difficult going into Fenway now with these players. Yeah, that's a very fair point. But, yeah, and for sure, with this time of year, as you get sort of that youth injection, it can go one of two ways. And at least for now, for the Yankees, it seems to be uh, helping them. Uh, it, the, the, the race that I'm the most interested in, especially from a betting standpoint, uh, is really in the NL West because you have a perfect storm here. And we talked about this a lot on this show. We talked about it before the season started. If the you know if you get the uh, Padres and the Dodgers into a wild card situation, one of those teams gets eliminated on day one of the playoffs, and then that opens up a lot of win probability for all, every other team in the National League to get to not just uh, the National League Championship Series but the World Series. All of that is contingent upon the Giants holding on for dear life to the NL West title. What are your thoughts and and their ability to do that? And did you see this coming from a Giants team that has been a pleasant surprise this season? 
Yeah, I did not see this coming at the beginning. Right now, I will say I agree with Sarah. They are not a fluke. Uh, we are 90 games in, and they have been really good. It's it's not luck. They're not winning a bunch of one-run <laughs> games like the Mariners. Uh, they are absolutely very good. they got good defense. Their pitching is very good. Their uh, baseball uh, president, Farhan Saidi, made a lot of good moves in the offseason, bringing in pitchers on one-year deals. In fact, they only have three players who are committed, uh, are under team control uh, for next year, even. Uh, that's not a big number uh, at all. So, um, you know, maybe that's giving them more incentive. I'm not sure, but they've done a nice job with their pickups. I know they're active in the trade market. They're going to get more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're going to see three teams from that division in the playoffs. Um, as far as who's going to win that division, um, you know, I mean, still got to give the Dodgers a slight uh, favorite there, but uh, not by too much. I, I, I believe in the Giants. John, I'm very much looking forward to over the next week, your Twitter blowing up with all the trade news. I look forward to it every single season. So what are you hearing about the Dodgers and the Giants, maybe maybe even the Padres in the NL West making some moves here over the next week or two? Well, one thing we can be sure about, and we don't even have to bet on this, we know this, that A.J. Preller, the Padres uh, general manager, is going to be very active, very aggressive. I made the biggest move last trade deadline, getting Clevenger. He made several of the biggest moves in the winter. So count on them doing something. They've been connected to uh, Gallo. Uh, they certainly will be looking at pitching. I think everybody's looking at pitching. That's the issue this trade deadline. Not a lot of great starters probably will be moved. We've been speculating on Scherzer. I doubt he gets moved. Barrios, not too sure about him getting moved. Gibson, maybe a little bit more likely that Kyle Gibson gets moved. But uh, you know, it's definitely a seller's market in terms of starting pitching, and it's going to be difficult. Uh, uh, you know, the Giants, I think you're right to look at maybe for a bullpen piece and maybe another bat. Uh, the Dodgers are in the market for starting pitching like a lot of teams, and uh, they're probably going to have to overpay. Obviously, it's a question whether we're going to see Bauer at all this year. Um, you know, they certainly didn't plan for this. They uh, didn't expect this in any way. They, it looked like they had as deep a starting pitching as anybody, but uh, – Right now, that's where their focus is on starting pitching. Interesting. Yeah, I know you bring up a good point, too, about the Giants. Where is a good fit for Kyle Gibson? Do you think he goes straight into the National League, or is it more likely he lands in, like, the AL East? Um, you know, I, I think almost any team that's contending uh, is in need of starting pitching. Maybe not the Giants, but uh, just about every other team looks like they're looking for a starting pitcher. Um, I never bet against uh, A.J. Preller uh, going for a starting pitcher. Uh, he acquired three via trade in Darvish, uh, Snell, and Musgrove in the summer, uh, excuse me, in the winter, but I expect him to be in there actively. And we know that uh, he used to work for John Daniels in Texas. So, I mean, that's part of the reason the Gallo uh, connection has been talked about so much. I wouldn't rule out Kyle Gibson either there. Maybe. Maybe a, a, a double trade, two guys. I don't know. We, we shall see. Texas is in that position where they got a lot of tough choices because Gibson and Gallo are both under a year more of control. So they could keep both pieces. Yeah, I think what's interesting, just to go back to the AL East, Don, I'm curious to get your opinion. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are both selling and buying. I'm talking about the Yankees, maybe even the Red Sox. You could surely look at the Blue Jays doing the same. When push comes to shove, and I know the Red Sox are the clear favorite, 
Who, which team, because of course the Blue Jays can find themselves and the Rays in the playoffs, push comes to shove, do you feel most confident down the stretch in the ALEs to make it deep in the playoffs? You know, I mean, I guess I'll go with the Red Sox at this point. I, I feel like they, they're probably the best team. Again, I didn't have that one. Like, I didn't have the Giants. I'd rather talk about some of my predictions that were better, but that was not a good one. <laughs> not do well there. Um, you know, they've been very good. Their nucleus is exceptional. Picking up some versatile players. Kike Hernandez has been really, really good for them. You know, I, I like them. You know, I just think they're a good team. And if they get Chris Sale back, and it, it's, it's always a risky proposition, a guy coming back from Tommy John that first year back. I know Tommy John is, by and large, very successful, but – it's not always successful initially, but uh, that would be a huge pickup for the Red Sox there. I do, I do see, obviously, the Red Sox, Blue Jays, um, Yankees, and Rays as buyers. at this more buyers than sellers. Hmm. We haven't really mentioned the Rays. Are we sleeping on them? <laughs> I'm always sleeping on them. That's another one I never get right. No one. I think I'm in a big group there. On paper, they just don't look like a great team, but, I mean, a Rosarina is playing well. Uh, you know, he's maybe not as good as he was in the postseason, but he's Still very good. Uh, Wendell, all-star, uh, they pieced together. I mean, I thought the injury to Glass now would maybe derail them to a degree. Certainly, he's their best pet pitcher, but they're rolling right along. So, uh, you know, I, I probably do overlook them. I think we all do, and it's time to stop overlooking the Tampa Bay Rays. They find ways to win. You could follow John Heyman on Twitter, at John Heyman. All of his insight available almost everywhere, especially on MLB Network, does a great job there. John, we look forward to seeing all of your breaking news come trade deadline. Love your stuff. Appreciate you joining the show. All right. Thanks, Sarah and Drew. If you want more in-depth player breakdowns before the football season, sign up for NBC Sports Edge Plus and check out our Fantasy Football Draft Guide. You'll have access to view our player props, positional tiers, and player projections to dominate your fantasy draft. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed.
who better to break down the Pittsburgh Steelers and somebody who covers the team on a daily basis. That, of course, is Jenna Harner. Jenna, thank you so much for being with us. The news that really caught the attention of the world yesterday was about Ben Roethlisberger. We're going to move on from that, but I do want to talk about him and not how he looked in a picture entering camp. This is a guy that's a veteran. I think he's been, what, in the league for 17 years now. And I look at his, his touchdown prop. It's something Drew and I talk a lot about the show. Futures market touchdown props in every way. And last year he had 33 touchdowns. Now this year I look at his prop with an extra game, 25 and a half touchdowns. So obviously the market and a lot of people are thinking their run game is going to take over or he's not going to play as much. One or the other is telling the market something. What have you been hearing from Mike Tomlin and company about their strategy and, and what you expect from them moving forward offensively in the 2021 season? Well, we know that the run game is something that this team is really focusing coming into this season. They went out and drafted Najee Harris in the first round. They do have pieces, new pieces on the offensive line. They did lose some key contributors there. So I think that's going to be an interesting factor in all of this. And they've said they were last in the league in rushing last season. They've hammered time and time again. This is something that they want to fix. They want to establish the run game. They want to be able to have that in their back pocket because they know what Ben can do. You get Juju Smith-Schuster back. You get Chase Claypool, who had a phenomenal rookie season um, in his sophomore year. You get Deontay Johnson. You know, they expect big years from a lot of these guys, especially with a lot of the drops that this team had. They also went out and drafted Pat Fryermuth, the tight end from Penn State. So they expect him and Eric Ebron also to have a really big contribution to this offense this year. I think it's going to be very intriguing to see how the run game gets developed. But with the fact that there are so many question marks on the offensive line, just when it comes to experience, you lose three pro bowlers, perennial pro bowlers at that. There are going to be some moving parts. This is going to be something I think where we see Ben Roethlisberger throw the ball a lot. And whether it's those, you know, five, six yard passes to Juju Smith-Schuster that were consistently getting them first downs last year, I think we're going to see a lot more throwing compared to the run game that people think just because of the fact that this offensive line, there are so many question marks and they really do have a lot of chemistry to develop, which they're really going to look forward to doing as much as they can when training camp starts today. That checks out. And I mean, I, a lot of people point to this offensive line, but the but Roethlisberger got the ball out of his hands so fast. I mean, is it's really maybe overstated, in my opinion, to a degree, at least early in the season. And I guess if you look back to last season, do a little bit of, you know, post, you know, a little autopsy on the uh, on the 2020 Steelers. It obviously started incredibly well. And then things kind of fell apart late. A lot of that I feel like was hung on the offense because things got stale. And in the handicapping community, a lot of us were pointing to maybe Roethlisberger's elbow wasn't completely healthy and or he just was asked to throw too much too early coming on off of what in hindsight was a pretty serious surgery. They Randy Fitchner moves on. They elevate Matt Canada from quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you hear, you know, around camp, around, uh, you know, the, the personnel and, and the coaching staff in terms of how the offense may change heading into this season uh, and what uh, we, what we you know, what what differences we may expect in terms of, uh, you know, how they roll out offensive uh, concepts? 
Yeah, I think this Matt Canada offense is going to be really interesting. But at the same time, you know, in mini camp and all the things leading up to training camp, we really heard that, you know, this isn't going to be an entirely different offense. But then you hear kind of both sides of things. You hear Ben saying, you know, for me, this is so different. I'm studying so much. I have so much more to learn and so much to gain from Canada's concepts. And we hear all of the receivers talk about, you know, obviously there are some new differences. There are some new concepts, some new schemes. We heard from Eric Ebron um, in minicamp, and he was so excited just because he's like, you know, they really want to get us as tight ends involved, and they really want to make us, you know, so much more versatile on the outside. And Ebron was really utilized a lot last year for the passing game. Granted, there were some drops kind of along the same lines with what we saw with Deontay Johnson, which both of them have harped on, you know, this is something we're going to fix. This is not normal for us. We want to, you know, consistently be able to be there for our quarterback and make those plays when they need them to count the most. But I think we are going to see them getting back to that run game. And again, when you have a player like Najee Harris coming in, he's just so explosive. And I think it's going to be so exciting also to see him in the passing game, we've seen him make some unbelievable plays just, you know, when they're going through minicamp, when he was in rookie minicamp, some really, really, really fantastic, just one-handed catches where he was asked about them. And every, and he asked uh, the reporter that asked him about it. He was like, have you, have you seen me at all? Did, this is what I do. This is me. <laughs> Which we love, you know, he's one of, honestly, too, he's just such a fantastic interview, Such has such a good heart, too. So I think we're going to see him being utilized in both, obviously, the run game and the pass game. What he was able to do at Alabama was a huge reason why they wanted to bring him in. And we've heard hysterically, you know, the running backs coach say, you know, Najee, I need to go home. You need to be done in the film room for the day. So that just kind of shows you the type of guy he is. And they're going to be, he's going to be someone they look to lean on this season, especially with, you know, the question marks on this offensive line and hoping to take some of that pressure off Ben where he doesn't have to throw 52 times a game. Well, people love to hear that, especially Najee Harris backers and the fact that he's watching too much film. This is a player that is offensive rookie of the year. Odds came down from 16 to 1 and now 10 to 1. He leads the count, a bet count over at points bet for offensive rookie of the year. Mac Jones leads the handle. But if you look at it all together, Najee Harris is the biggest liability for offensive rookie of the year. People are all over that Pittsburgh running game. Now, the Steelers are the third favorite to win the division, and that's an extremely competitive division. And as we know, with Baltimore, the favorite, followed by Cleveland, and then the team you cover, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm happy you talked about the run game and holes they're trying to fill in their offensive line. And surely their defense might need a little bit of help now. But when you look at the team as a whole and expectations and even what needs to go right for them to make a serious push in this competitive, incredible division, my favorite to watch on a daily basis, what are the things that check out, in your opinion, that need to go right for them to have a successful season, things you're hearing from the coaches that must be worked on the most? Well, I think it does kind of really kind of come back to the run game and especially the offensive line. I think the last couple weeks here, a lot of the people I've been talking with say that the offensive line is going to make or break and be a huge part of this team this season. If they can get some chemistry, if they can gel, there's the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is going to be playing under a completely new center. He's had Marquise Pouncey, his guy, for his entire career, and now he has to adjust to rookie Kendrick Green. It's going to be very interesting to see the relationship that the two form, and we heard that was a big reason for Ben, why he wanted to come to OTAs, was he's like, hey, I have to establish chemistry with this guy. He's going to be my guy. So obviously offensive line, and I think just kind of 
how the defense performs. I mean, they are more of the solid. They're more of the guarantee, the sure thing with this team right now. Obviously, TJ Watt coming off an absolutely phenomenal season. You saw a lot of promise from rookie Alex Highsmith. He's going to look to continue to make his jump in the second year, especially after the loss of Bud Dupree. But then the addition of Ingram the other day, too, that's going to be an interesting aspect to see how this defense is going to adjust to that. And if he can stay healthy, if he can kind of return to the player he was a couple years ago with the Chargers, I think that can be an absolutely fantastic addition to this defense. Obviously, Minka Fitzpatrick as well, what he's able to do in the backfield is just fantastic. So they're more, in my opinion, the guarantee they're going to make those plays. They are going to especially when you're going up against teams like the Ravens, like the Browns, they're going to be kind of the guarantee. We saw them kind of at the end of the season or the middle of the season last year when they played these teams. I think a lot of people look to the wild card game against Cleveland as they should, but earlier in the season, the Steelers absolutely laid a beat down on the Browns to the point where Baker Mayfield and OBJ were out of the game in the third quarter. So I think that there's going to be a lot of wrinkles. It's going to be a very, very interesting division. I think this also is a division that we could see like we did last year, three teams make the playoffs. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And of course the price doesn't exactly make sense that Steelers would be four to one. I, I just have one quick follow-up on the defense. They have lost a lot of parts here, Bud Dupree, Vince Williams. Uh, you know, I, I thought, um, you know, Mike Hilton was pretty decent for them as a third uh, cornerback. Is there any, any feeling that things are a little thin? Are they going to be able to develop some players and get them into backfill in case there's injuries? Yeah, I think the cornerback position is where if you had to pick a question mark for the defense, I think that is kind of where their biggest question mark is. Um, they do seem to have a lot of faith in Justin Lane. They do seem very excited about what he was bringing to the table and kind of the progress he made in the games that he did get in last season. But again, when you have injuries, that's going to be a big factor. They also get Devin Bush back, which I think a lot of people, it's funny to say that people are overlooking it. A lot of people forget about that. You're getting such a talent in Devin Bush back to, you know, really bonafide um, that position, um, that linebacker position and just his versatility, what he's able to do. Um, he's going to be a huge playmaker and you could just hear how hungry he was. It's actually um, a couple of reports have come out and we'll find out for sure later today that he should be um, a full participant day one of training camp, which is going to be really fantastic just for them to kind of get him working back from that ACL injury. You know, they they think they really kind of shored up as much as the depth positions as they could. And it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this cornerback battle um, goes throughout the um, entirety of training camp here. You can check her out on Twitter at Jenna Harner 11. Jenna, thank you so much. Have a great time, of course, with this preseason OTAs and into the season. We look forward to chatting with you soon. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Looking forward to it. Have a good one. We'll get into our team breakdowns another day, Drew, but it is interesting starting to gather all this information. I think you brought up great points with holes in the defense, and I know that you have a strong opinion on about maybe them having an easier beginning to the season than people are expecting. The one night when the whole world comes together, the world's biggest show on the world's biggest stage, the opening ceremony for the Tokyo Olympics, Friday night at 7.30 Eastern, only on NBC. Drew might be as excited for the Olympics and the opening ceremony as he is to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first few weeks of the season. Drew, I don't want to steal that from you, but I am curious to get your thoughts over the next few weeks about some of these teams leading in to the NFL season. But it's Olympic season. It's gold medal time. It is your time to shine and tell me which totals we are targeting today. 
I, I do get excited for the opening ceremonies. We have a pretty big party. We do a drinking game. It's a, it's a festive in, environment celebrating the uh, celebrating the open ceremonies. But I'm much more interested in the handicapping aspects here. And we are now on to pick four among the metal markets. Uh, and I am going for the over with the Russian Olympic Committee, the ROC. Uh, and there are a couple of reasons that this over 19 and a half gold medals makes a ton of sense. And we will break them down in no particular order. 2016 was a mess for Russia. They were coming into that Olympics on the heels of one of the greatest doping scandals that we have ever had on the international stage uh, in the way that they were treating the samples in Sochi in, and just basically getting away with state-sponsored, uh, you know, a, a massive state-sponsored doping program. Uh, and because of that, a lot of the athletes were either suspended outright for those Olympics or were not counted towards Russia's official medal count. And so if you start your handicap with, well, how'd they do last Olympics? And you look at some of their Russian their medal counts and what they did in specific sports, it's pretty low. And that is entirely explainable on the back of the fact that they just did not have uh, as many athletes competing because of the suspensions, because of the doping. I honestly think that gives the athletes in this Olympics that much more to prove because, uh, you know, they are coming into this now, uh, in this Olympics now with, hey, we have to make up for the fact that, uh, you know, people think we're cheaters, we're going to do it uh, the right way. And as you kind of break down the market specifically, you know, a couple I want to point out here, swimming, I am counting them as likely to win four swimming gold medals uh highly likely that they win both men's backstroke medals uh they have they are live for the 200 breaststroke they are live for a couple of relays so uh they could very well bring home some nice swimming gold medals on top of the fact that you know a lot of people talk about gymnastics and the u.s women's gymnastics team is is this spectacular one of the best all time and you know simone biles clearly the best women's gymnast of all time uh on the men's side russia's gymnastics program is extremely strong coming into this Olympics. I have them likely to take home five gold medals in the gymnastics program. So right there between swimming and gymnastics, you're already getting pretty close to if not over 10. Uh, and then I have a lot of other categories where they have potential to bring home gold almost surely. They bring home two synchronized swimming uh, almost surely. They bring home three wrestling track and field could count on one or two there. Basically, this 19 and a half golds, I think, is biased on the low side because of a lot of uh, factors that really aren't being accounted for in the market. And, uh, you know, you saw this open 17 and a half. It's been bet up two golds. I think there's still room for this to go over. So uh, this is uh, pick number four. We're going over on the Russia gold medal total. Incredible. I'm going to be very excited. I feel like you're going to hit majority of these, but your breakdowns are what I look forward to. You put in so much time and research on all of this and it's appreciated. Seriously, I, you, I Google online, like trying to find different ways. No one has a handicap like this for the Olympics. So we're going over 19 and a half for many reasons, as you just stated, for the Russians and gold medals in the Olympics. I'll go to baseball. Uh, John Heyman talked a little bit about this game with us earlier in the podcast. And I like the under in the Yankees and Red Sox game. I don't feel comfortable taking a side because of these rosters, particularly for the Yankees right now. We have Jordan Montgomery starting for the Yankees. He's been solid, consistent all season long. Three runs or fewer in nine of his last 10 starts for New York. He's actually recorded two quality starts against the Red Sox this season. Facing this Red Sox team that scored just six runs altogether in their last three meetings against the Yankees. I go to the other side. I love watching these starting pitching matchups. And we have a rookie in Tanner Houck starting for Boston. Ironically enough, his last outing was actually a three-inning save against the Yankees. Shut them out, gave, out, uh, gave up just one hit. 
I know this Yankees team is different. They have a lot of AAA players called up due to injuries in different situations, but this Yankees lineup still ranks 25th in batting average against righties. They're missing so many key pieces. Luke Boyd, Aaron Judge, Urshela still out. They also rank 24th in scoring this season in the New York Yankees. So they're on a winning streak, but they're not putting up a ton of runs. Four runs or fewer in six of their last nine wins. I look at this. I keep all of this in mind. And if you just look how these two teams meet up, extremely competitive division rivals. Uh, over their last six meetings, these games have averaged around seven runs. This is sitting at 10. My biggest edge is the under. And now I'm looking at our graphics live on the show and seeing it's nine and a half. So I'm having market agreement, which Drew always makes me feel better about. I played it at 10. I still like it at nine and a half. Clearly, that is my biggest edge of the day, Drew. Yeah. How do you do it? You know, you get the best of the number every morning. It is great to see. And it mattered yesterday. It you got matters. your eight and a half and it landed on nine. So this is exactly, this is why, this is why you want the best of the number. There is, you don't need any more explanation than that. So great look. I'm with you. Let's get it. We always say reach out on Twitter, and I did. I got a few Twitter messages saying, oh, I didn't get it at eight and a half. Good for you. Got the push. We'll take it. We move on. We're going under in the Yankees-Red Sox, and we are somehow rooting for the Russians in the Olympics to get 20 gold medals. With that, we wrap up at the Edge. Thanks for being with us on our YouTube channel. You should know the deal. If you need extra help, which we all do, tools for betting, daily fantasy, anything, any sport, we have it available to you on NBCSportsEdge.com. Amazing subscription packages to help you with all of your wagers. Please subscribe, rate the podcast, and as always, we wish you nothing but the best of luck with all your wagers for tonight, and we will see you right back here tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.